Well, again, I want to thank you for being here as we kick off this week and all those who are watching online, the different campuses, wherever you're at on the cathedral campus, in the coffee shop, the chapel. Thanks so much for being here. I am very excited. Anytime we enter into an Easter season, and this season especially, as we look at this topic, signs, encounter the extraordinary. Every day, when you think about it, when you call a timeout and pause to think about it, every day, we're in the middle of a miracle. I mean, right now, it seems like we are sitting still, doesn't it? It seems like we're sitting still. But in reality, did you know that what's happening right now is the earth is spinning around its axis at over a thousand miles per hour? We're moving. I mean, and the earth itself is speeding through space at over 67,000 miles per hour. You know, if you ever get to the end of the day and you feel like you didn't get anything done, you ever had one of those days? Just remember that day you traveled through space over 1,500,000 miles. No wonder you feel tired today. Give yourself a hand. You've been busy all week traveling through space. Talk about a miracle. I mean, Albert Einstein once said this. He said there are only two ways to live your life. One is that as though nothing is a miracle or as though everything is a miracle. And every day we encounter the extraordinary. I'm inviting you on a journey with me over these next few weeks to look at the most extraordinary person in history. His name is Jesus. And we find his story in the Gospels. And specifically, we're going to look at a book that was written by one of his disciples by the name of John. I want to make sure everybody has a copy of the Gospel of John during this series. And so if you don't have one today, the ushers have copies of the Gospel of John that we'd like to give to you. If you'd like one, just lift up your hand and we'll make sure we get you one of those today. I want everybody to have a copy of the Gospel of John because in John's gospel, he does something very interesting. What John does is he never calls the miracles of Jesus miracles. John gives us seven miracles in the life of Jesus, but he doesn't call them miracles. Instead, he calls them signs. Signs. Say that with me. Signs. Now, we all know what a sign is, and we all know what a sign does. I, I found some signs online. One said, beware of the dog. The cat's not trustworthy either. Right? Here's another sign. It said, skiing this way, hospital this way. Because if you need... Here's another sign that says, pets are welcome, but children must be on a leash. Amen. Well, we know what a sign is and what a sign does. A sign is meant to tell you something. A sign is meant to take you somewhere. And these signs that John gives us in his gospel, 
They are meant to tell us something about who Jesus is and what Jesus does. And they are meant to take us somewhere, to a deeper place of faith and trust in Jesus. In fact, the entire Gospel of John could be summed up, his purpose, in one place. It's our theme verse for the series, and I'm going to invite everybody to read it out loud with me together. John chapter 20, you can see it on the screens. Let's read this out loud together, everyone. Jesus performed many other signs in front of his disciples, but they are not written down in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And if you believe this, you will have life because you belong to him. Can we give God praise for his word? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so... As we encounter Jesus in the Gospel of John, it's my prayer that each of us would encounter Jesus, that we would know more about who Jesus is and what Jesus does, and that our faith would stretch and our faith would grow. And who knows, maybe during this series, you'll find yourself in the middle of the miracle and you will experience the extraordinary. Now, the very first miracle we look at, the very first miracle that Jesus ever does in his ministry is when he turns the water into wine. It's in John chapter 2. Jesus turns the water into wine. Did you hear about the nun? who was driving and ran out of gas. So she walks to the gas station, and the gas station doesn't have a gas container. So she goes back to her car. Now, she was on her way to visit some older parishioners. So she's sorting through what she had in her car, and she finds a bedpan. So she takes the bedpan back to the gas station, puts gas into the bedpan, and then carries it back to her car. So here she is at her car, pouring the gas out of the bedpan into her car. At about that time, two guys are driving by. And they look and they see what she's doing. And one guy turns to his buddy and says, I know Jesus turned the water into wine, but if that car starts... I'm becoming a Catholic right away. <laughs> when Jesus turned the water into wine, this is how you know that you can trust the Bible. Because if you were making up a story about Jesus, is this the way you'd start it? I mean, if you were rolling out the miracles of the Son of God, is this what you would invent? That Jesus shows up at a wedding and he turns the water out of wine, into wine? I mean, is running out of wine a big thing? I've been to some weddings where running out of wine wouldn't have been a bad thing. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, and to lead with this, this is why you know this isn't a made-up story. This is a story that... 
People were there. People were sought. You can rely on the Bible. Can we give God praise for the reliability of his word? You can trust what you read. And what can we learn about Jesus as the winemaker? About who he is and what he does? And how our faith can grow, how our faith can be stretched. That Jesus is the winemaker, so taste and see that the Lord is good. Can we give God praise together? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Winemaker, say that with me. Winemaker, say it again. Winemaker, Jesus is the winemaker. Now let's track through this story together. I want to give you a few words that'll be the signpost as we make our way through John chapter 2. The first word has to do with invitation. Invitation. We read in John chapter 2, the story begins. On the third day, there was a wedding. It took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been what? They had been what? To the wedding. Circle the word invited. Under the wor- underline the word invited. Jesus shows up where he is invited. He didn't crash the wedding. He was invited to the wedding. And maybe that's a good takeaway for you and I. That Jesus will show up when he's invited. He won't crash your party. But he'll show up at your party if he's invited. If we invite him to church, he'll show up at church. Can somebody say amen? amen? But if you invite him into your home, guess what? He'll show up in your home too. Can somebody say amen? amen. If you invite him to work, guess what? He'll show up there. If you invite him to your workout, guess what? He'll show up there. He'll even show up in your commute. How would that transform your commute if you invited Jesus to be a part of your commute? Jesus will not crash your party, but if you invite him this season, he will show up. Jesus will show up. How about if we invite him into every part of our lives, not this part or that part? Jesus, you are invited. Can we give him praise and let him know he is invited into our hearts? Hallelujah. Jesus, you're invited. And when you invite Jesus in and Jesus shows up, this is what you learn about Jesus, that he is the real master of the feast. He's the real master of the feast who comes to bring joy. Every once in a while when I talk to people and I ask them why they're not in church on a weekend, you get all kinds of answers. But one of the answers that I'll get, maybe you've heard it too, is that people will say, hey, I've been there, I've done that. You know, when I was a kid, I went to church all the time. But now I just want to have fun. I want to enjoy my life. And at that moment, I always think to myself, wow. You know, do they really understand who Jesus is and what Jesus is really about? Have we as a church at large given an incomplete picture 
of Jesus, that life with Jesus, it's not something that's meant to be endured. Life with Jesus is meant to be enjoyed. That Jesus comes to bring us real joy, authentic joy, overflowing joy. He is the master of the feast. Hallelujah. I think sometimes our picture of Christianity is that it does this to us right up here. It gives us a sour face. When really Christianity is meant to do this to us right here to give us a happy face. That right there is my grandson, by the way. Amen. Had to throw that in. Yes. Little chase. But Jesus comes as the master of the feast. That's why again and again in the Bible, this idea of the feast is present. Jesus once says this. He says in Matthew chapter 8, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the what? At the what? Feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. In another place in Isaiah, it says this about Jesus. It says, on Mount Zion, the Lord who rules over all will prepare a what? He'll prepare a what? Feast for all the nations, the best and richest foods and the finest aged wines will be served. The life that Jesus brings is a life that's filled with joy, true joy, deep joy, authentic joy, overflowing joy. Jesus is the master of the feast who comes to bring us joy. Hallelujah. Let's give him praise. Amen. So this is a good time to to just be real and say how, wow, you know, if you run out of joy this weekend, say, Ken, I'm just low on joy. You know, life has robbed me of my joy. I'm all out of joy. The good news is the master of the feast is in the house. The winemaker is here today. And if you bring your empty container to him, Jesus can fill that container to the brim and leave you overflowing with a deep level joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's give him a shout of praise today. Hallelujah. Jesus, fill your people with joy. Hallelujah. He's the winemaker, winemaker. Say that with me, winemaker. When we invite him in, Jesus, show up today in a big way. And then look next with me at this participation word as we track through the story. And here we find out in John chapter 2, they run into a problem. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Uh Uh-oh. Have you ever been at a wedding and something goes really wrong? On YouTube, you can see all kinds of stuff. Watch the screens. And I, I saw this one clip. Chloe, will you have Keith to be your wedded husband, to live together in the covenant of marriage? Will you love him, comfort him, honor and keep him, 
in sickness and in health. And forsaking all others, be faithful to him as long as you both shall live. The rings, please. shouldn't laugh at that, but I just pray for me. That's all I can say. Every time I see that, I just want to fall on the ground rolling around because as a pastor, I've been to so many weddings and been a part of them and things go wrong. One time I was you know, doing a wedding and the maid of honor backed into a candle and her hair caught on fire. And there I am patting out her hair and then continuing on with the wedding. All kinds of things happen on the wedding. In fact, Wednesday, daydreaming of Pastor Ken, tune in and I'll tell you some more crazy things that happen at weddings. But weddings, when something goes wrong, and in that culture, back in the first century at a big fat Jewish wedding, when they run out of wine, it was a very big deal because it would cause major shame for the couple and their family in that village, in that town. And it could turn the, I mean, ladies, let me ask you a question. What's the one day, I mean, out of all the days of your life, what's the one day you want everything to be just perfect? It's your wedding day. And to run out of wine would turn the big day into a bad day. And imagine with me just a bit. I mean, just imagine what the conversation was at the head table between the groom and the bride at that moment. Do you think they had their first fight? The, the bride says, I can't believe it. All you had to do is one thing. I did, I did the invitations, and I got the cake, and I got the photographer, and I made out the guest list. All you had to do is make sure the beverage bar was stocked, and you messed that up. Oh, boy, I hope you haven't run out of blankets, because it's going to be a cold night tonight, <laughs> right? Just imagine with me. This is, and then the good news is, is when you've run out of wine, Jesus is in the house, and he's the winemaker, amen? And it's striking to me, it really is, it's striking to me that this is a miracle. It's not going to save a life. It's going to save face. And that's how much Jesus cares about you. Somebody needs to hear this. Jesus cares about you so much, he, he not only saves you from your sin, He'll save you from your shame. Can somebody say amen? He'll save you from your shame. And so whatever you need this week and whatever you've run out of, maybe you've run out of joy or you've run out of peace or you're all out of love or you've run out of patience, you've run out of wisdom, I've got no more ideas. You've run out of strength. You've run out of money. Whatever you've run out of, 
Friend, the winemaker is in the house today, and if you will turn to Jesus, that's what Mary does. The crisis hits, and where does Mary turn? She turns to Jesus, and that's the right place to turn. But follow this strange conversation that happens. She turns to Jesus, and she says, Jesus, they have no more wine. And Jesus says to her, dear woman, why are you telling me about this? The time for me to show who I really am isn't here yet. Wasn't expecting that. Just being real. Wasn't expecting Jesus to say that. He doesn't call her mom. He calls her woman. (laughs) Things have changed between you and I now. It seems like he doesn't want to get involved, but he does get involved. Woman, let me handle things my own way. Did Mary know what Jesus meant? I don't know. But here's the thing. She may not have known what Jesus meant, but she knew where to turn. And she still turns to Jesus. She still trusts in Jesus. She still has faith in Jesus. Friend, sometimes you may not know what he means, but you know where to turn. You turn to Jesus because he is the one that can bring the solution to your problem. Hallelujah. You don't know how he'll do it, when he'll do it, but you know that he's the one who you can turn to. Can somebody say amen? And that's why we see the mother. She doesn't turn away from Jesus. She still turns right back to Jesus. And she says, oy vey. She doesn't say that. (laughs) But she says to the servants, do what he tells you to do. She turns to Jesus. She still trusts him. And then the servants, this is what happens. Look at this. There were six large stone water pots that were used by the Jews in their washing ceremonies. Each one held about 20 or 30 gallons. That's a lot of water. Jesus said to the servants, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them to the what? Now, put yourself in the position of one of the servants. And Jesus tells you, fill up the water pots with water. What's your first response? Jesus, we're not out of water. And you're asking us to put water in the water pots. We got plenty of water. We've run out of wine. And so here the servants, they have questions. They're confused. But they do what Jesus says. If you're confused, you know what the best thing you can do is? Do what Jesus says. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Do what Jesus says. Say that with me. Do what Jesus says. And they fill the water pots with water. And they find themselves in the middle of a miracle? What? An extraordinary encounter. They do what they can do. They fill up the pots with water. And Jesus does what they can't do. And he turns the water into wine. And that is how miracles happen. We do what we can do. And then Jesus does what he can do, and that is when the extraordinary happens. 
I was thinking about our Easter presentation. I'm so excited this year. I believe it's going to be the best one we've ever done. And for the very first time in the history of doing the Easter presentations, we have a Jesus who can sing. A singing Jesus. Manuel Romero is going to play the part of Jesus. Can we give God praise? Amen. Manuel, it's going to bring a whole new dynamic. It's going to be very exciting. There's new music and there's actors and ding singers and dancers and the tech team. And I got to thinking about how, you know, they're going to do what they do. What do they do? Well, they're going to sing and they're going to dance and they're going to act and they're going to tech. They do what they can do, but then Jesus does what he can do. And he is going to bring people into the kingdom of God. And the miracle of salvation happens when we do what we can do. He does what he can do. And that is how you experience a miracle. Friend, if you need a miracle today, do what you can do. Do the natural, and Jesus will do what you can't do. Jesus will do the supernatural, and you may find yourself in the middle of a miracle. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Winemaker. Say that with me. Winemaker. Say it again. Winemaker. Jesus, show us who you are today. Build our faith today. Now, as we track through the story, we're moving through. Let's see what happens. As they put water into the jar, the next word is transformation. Transformation. We read the story. Let's pick it up again in John chapter 2 as we make our way through the chapter. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the top. Then he told them, now dip some out. Take it to the person in charge of the dinner. And they did what he said. Then the person in charge called the groom to one side. He said to him, everyone brings out the best wine first. They bring out the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. The best until now. Once again, use your imagination and let's step back into the story, you're one of the servants, and you take the water, and as you pour the water into the glass, you watch the water turn to wine. Okay, that's the best I can do. How about, okay, come on, give me a hand. I, I'm giving it my best shot. That's my, that's it. That's all I got. As a servant, do you think you'd about fallen over? Has Jesus ever done something in your life that just leaves you in wonder at the mystery of the moment? The water's turned into wine. <laughs> Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. And Jesus is enough. Is Jesus enough? No, Jesus is not enough. Jesus is more than enough. Because Jesus doesn't provide enough wine. 
He provided 750 bottles of wine. That's two tons of grapes worth of wine. Is Jesus enough? No, he's not enough. He's more than enough to meet you at your need. Amen? Does Jesus make average wine, wine in the box? No, Jesus is more than enough. He makes good wine, fine wine, the best wine, the, you know, the reserve, library collection wine. Jesus is more than enough to do the very best in your life. Jesus can transform your life in the best kind of way. Is he more than enough? He's more than enough for you. He is. Jesus can turn your fear into faith. He can turn your sorrow into joy. He can turn your forgiveness or bitterness into forgiveness. And he can turn your failure into success. He can turn your anxiety into peace. He can take away your shame and he can lift up your head. Jesus is not only the winemaker, Jesus is the chain breaker. And he can free you up today in the best kind of way. Hallelujah. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I have to share a story with you. I only had a chance to tell it in one service last week, and it, it's just too good not to share with everybody. Right over here, two or three weeks ago, I was shaking hands with folks after service, and I ran into a lady, and the lady, she looked younger than me. Of course, now everybody starts to look younger than me. And she was younger than me, but she had a, a grown daughter that was with her, beautiful young lady. And then they had a beautiful little granddaughter, too. And so here they are, all three of them, worshiping together in church. Isn't that great to see three generations of people worshiping God in church? Let's give God praise. Amen? That's a great thing. It is. And so here they are worshiping in church and the mom starts into their journey and it goes from standard definition to high definition like that and she tells me that just a couple of years ago her daughter was living on the streets as a beautiful young lady who ended up on the streets because of her addiction you know an addiction can take you to some really dark places and so here's this beautiful young lady the addiction has her living in the streets. She's in no shape to have custody of her daughter. Her mom's in pain. The daughter's in pain. And yet, friend, when there seems to be no way, God can make a way. I, I want to say that again. Somebody needs to hear that this weekend. When there seems to be no way, God will make a way. Is Jesus enough? He's more than enough to transform your life in the best kind of way. And now here are these three ladies and the mom, she is full of joy. She has her daughter back. And the little girl, she's full of joy because she has her mommy back. And the young lady, she's full of joy because she has her freedom back. Jesus is the winemaker. Jesus is the chain breaker. He's not just enough. He's more than enough to meet you at your point of need this weekend. That's who we celebrate. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
winemaker. Say that with me, winemaker. And that brings us to what I call the bonus word. You guys are so awesome. I want to give you a bonus word this weekend. And this takes us even deeper and further. So track with me for this last moment if you really want to dive deep into this story. The last word has to do with glorification. At the end of this miracle, this is what it says. It says what Jesus did here in Cana in Galilee was the first of his what? Signs. Jesus showed his what? Glory by doing this sign and his disciples what? Believed in him. It built their faith. May your faith be built today. What was Jesus really saying? Hmm. The water pots where the people washed their hands weren't just any water pots. They were, they were water pots that, well, they would wash their hands as a sign and as a symbol that they needed to be cleansed, not on the outside, but on the inside. They needed to be made clean from their sin. And when Jesus changes the water into wine, it was a way of saying, you're not gonna need those water pots anymore because there's a new wine that you're gonna drink of. And here is how you drink of that new wine. In three years, Jesus is going to go to the cross. And he is going to die on the cross. He's going to give his life for us. He's going to shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. All of the sins of our past. Can somebody say amen? All of the sins in our present, can somebody say amen? amen? All of the sins in our future, can somebody say amen? amen? Jesus is going to shed his blood for the forgiveness of the sins of the world. And at the Last Supper, which you'll see in our drama, Jesus lifts up a cup of wine and look at what he says. You know the words. This wine is my blood of the covenant and it is poured out to forgive the sins of many people. And when we drink of the new wine of Jesus, it's the wine of his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness and Jesus cleanses us from the inside out. Can we celebrate who he is and what he does for us? Hallelujah. Jesus, we drink of that new wine. And when we do, it opens up our eyes. Jesus is at the wedding. But who's the real groom? And who's the real bride? Oh, my. When, when the Bible talks about our connection with God, it gives all kinds of images uh, it, it talks about God being the potter and we are the clay. Can somebody say amen? amen? Talks about God being the shepherd and we being the sheep. Can somebody say amen? amen. Talks about God being the king and we are the servants. Can somebody say amen? amen? 
talks about God being our father and we are his children. Can somebody say amen? amen. But if you want to go even deeper and further, God says that's not enough for you to understand the connection that I want to have with you. He's the groom and we're the bride. That the way he wants to relate to us and know us and unite with us, it's like a groom with a bride. And there's a wedding day that's coming when Jesus shall return. What a day that is going to be when Jesus shall return. I mean, what a wedding day. I have, I have seen it a million times that I'm standing there as a pastor and the doors open up and there is the bride and she is just ravishing. It doesn't matter how she looks in reality because a bride in her wedding gown, there's no such thing as an ugly bride. And here is the groom and he can hardly contain himself. He can't wait for that bride to get up there and for him to embrace her. And I want you to know today, I know how much Jesus means to you, but I want you to know how much you mean to Jesus. Jesus is the groom, and he is waiting for that day where he can embrace you. What a day that's going to be when Jesus returns and he brings an end to the present world, and it starts the perfect world. That is the wedding day. That is the wedding feast of all wedding feasts. The Bible talks about it in the book of Revelation. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. In Revelation 21, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, and the people in it coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. What a day that's going to be when my Jesus, I shall see a wedding day, a wedding feast, the miracle of all miracles to be with him forever and forever. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bow your heads with me for just a moment as our worship arts team gets ready to present a celebration of this great moment. Jesus is the great winemaker who changes our lives in the best kind of way. If you'd say this week in Ken, I need to start the journey. I need to become a follower of Jesus. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to agree with you that this is your day. If this is the day you want to, to put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to agree with you. Would you lift up your hand real high wherever you're at, right over here. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you up in the balcony, those watching online, wherever you're at on campus, different campuses around the bay. I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer after me. Mean it with all your heart. We can leave here beginning the connection with God through Jesus Christ. Say it with me, everyone. Heavenly Father, I come to you. I need a Savior. I cannot save myself. And I believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And I put my faith in him. I turn from my sin. And I make Jesus Lord of my life. 
Thank you, God, for loving me like you do. Let me pray for everyone. Heavenly Father, I pray for all of those who are here this weekend. Jesus, I pray for all of us. We come as we are to your great transforming power. And I pray that during this season, you would transform our lives in the best kind of way. That today we would know that you're not just enough, you're more than enough to meet us at our point of need and to bring out the very best in us. So Jesus, we celebrate who you are and what you do for us. Stretch and build our faith today. In Jesus' name we pray this. All God's people said, amen. amen. Let's give God a shout of praise today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Well, Jesus is the winemaker. He changes water into wine. Would you welcome our worship arts team as they come to present to you the transforming power of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Oh, Jessica. Everybody stand with me, please. Would, would you let Jessica Johnson and our World of Arts team know how much you appreciate them helping us to celebrate, kick off this season toward Resurrection Sunday.